Welcome to the King Yah Podcast. As you may have guessed, I am your host, King Yah, a father, activist, and professional speaker. On this podcast, we discuss relationships, criminal justice, news and politics, black history, culture, and domestic violence awareness. If this is your first time being here, I want to say thank you and encourage you to keep listening. Each week, you can expect to hear thought-provoking interviews, as well as personal and relationship tips that will help enhance your life. You will have access to resourceful downloads that you can implement daily to become more productive. Thank you for spending some time with me today. The purpose of this podcast is because everyday people inspire me through their stories of trial and error in life. Now let's jump into your favorite podcast. What better way to share our stories? Enough with the mail bashing. Coronavirus. We've got a lot to talk about today. I want to thank everyone for listening to our show, for joining us today. We have uh, coming up soon, Judge Joe Brown. Judge Joe Brown, for those of you that don't know who he is, he's an American arbitration-based reality court show uh, starring uh, former Shelby County, Tennessee criminal court judge uh, known as Joseph or Judge Joe B. Brown. That show, it appeared on September 14, 1988, or 1998, and ran through the 2012-2013 television uh, season for a total of 15 seasons. Join the, join the discussion with uh, political activists, myself, Kenya, and Judge Joe Brown on the coronavirus and enough with the mail bashing. We will have Judge Joe Brown on the show in um, in just a few moments. How's everybody doing today? Rising every single day. People are hysteri- hysterical. People are in fear of their lives. People are constantly worried and concerned about their next meal. Okay. Um, So we will be bringing the judge on in just a few moments. So I want to thank you all for your patience and for tuning into our show again today. There's there's something that I need to talk to you guys about. It's something that's uh, been on my mind, something that's been troubling to me for quite some time. Issues that have not been addressed in America and in our society, in our societies, and within our communities. When we talk about sexism, how it is alive and well, and how it began in the 1960s and 70s with uh, the feminist movements, and it has propelled from that moment. I am one of many survivors, and I stand with actual victims of domestic violence. There is strength in numbers. How many women have visibly demonstrated this, especially when it comes to criminal justice, equal opportunity, domestic violence, and sexual assault, to name a few? Why is it okay to support our society, women and organizations like the Me Too movement who engages in male bashing and degrading behaviors that are demoralizing to men? Where is the unity among both men and women breaking the silence and seeking justice for the falsely accused? 
Children are disrespecting their fathers, their heroes, along with other positive male role models based on what they see in the media and their environment in the home. Young boys and men feel emasculated, teased, tormented, and falsely accused. The false sexual allegations and harassment against men continue to ensue in the media as the pandemic coronavirus. Our male leaders are constantly ridiculed. Kobe Bryant was falsely accused of sexual abuse even after his death. Why do we remain silent when boys and men are victims of sexual abuse and falsely accused? Male bashing dismantles the family. Type of bashing would never happen to girls or women. We must hold Hollywood and America accountable. Stand up for men and our boys. Help put pressure on America and stop disrespecting our families. We need to also empower men and young boys through unity and strength in numbers. This movement should be spread virally as a hashtag on social media that we are bringing the Honorable Judge Joe Brown on the line. Judge, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. I hope you're doing as well. I am doing just as good as I can. I appreciate that, Judge. I, uh, uh, I'm i honored. I, I appreciate you being on our show this morning and uh, speaking to our guests as we talk about enough with the male bashing. Is it enough of the so-called toxic toxic masculinity, uh, the breakdown well, of the family? We deserve it as long as we put up with it. See, the fundamental issue you have to understand is that Women don't have the power to do this to men unless men permit it. There's not going to be any shootout-type revolution going on, particularly since a goodly portion of women are normal and they like men. And the goodly portion of men are normal and they like women. But you see... There are those that don't, and for the last half century, they have been busy little beavers working away after intentionally acquiring control of print media, television, and motion picture production to spread a propagandistic method. Your main source of push against normalcy comes from feminist white women who are firmly of the belief that marriage is a form of slavery. And their objective has been to destroy the traditional family and to destroy masculinity. Black men appear most masculine to them, so we become the primary target and the easiest target, and they're using us somewhat like guinea pigs to run a trial balloon experiments with to see if they can get us down. They have controlled the media. And one of the forms that is very insidious is the hip-hop culture that they have put in place. They, not us, over the last 50 years. It started slowly, but it was an increasing amount of dysfunction that was glorified and became the thing for young black boys to adopt so that when they became of age to be men, they didn't become men because they had the wrong ideation. 
see one example of that is this thing where basketball becomes the most important thing in life to a huge swath of young black males who ought to be focusing on reality but are not. Um, Our old enemy was what they call W.S. white supremacy. But it is counterpoised with, I think, a worst enemy, and that is this move to destroy traditional families and manhood. We can get nowhere if we don't have an ever-increasing and replacing cadre of young men where that's spelled with capital letters, M-E-N. And you can only get those from healthy families, and our families just are not healthy. This single-parent, by-choice, female head of household situation is bad because, well, we can eat anything on the planet. We are the apex predator. There's nothing we can't kill, individually or collectively. So that includes ourselves. And when you have a situation down in the hood or manifesting in the hallway where you have males who have not been appropriately acculturated, then you get insane violence. In the neighborhood, we call it the drive-by. And outside of the hood, it's the freaks who shoot up the hallway both lack masculinity our typical hood rat and thug is more or less a lesbian in a boy's body you can see this with this sick puppy they've got billy porter that sesame street was going to hire to wear dresses on their show while they acculturate three four five six seven eight year old children so they become conditioned to think of males as being girls also that is not healthy this thing is very bad because it's a process of emasculation that we carry on ourselves there's ws white supremacy and there's bs black stupidity which also stands for big bullshit Now, we got to stop that, so we start focusing and acting as men, and we've got to man up. This thing called toxic masculinity was something that was discussed 50 years ago on major college campuses around the country. And the program over the next half century, they called it the half-century program, the 50-year program, was to get all masculinity declared toxic by taking little pieces of it at a time. It's a misnomer because what is being labeled as toxic masculinity is actually a lack of masculinity. Masculinity is a set of behavioral protocols that when input into a young boy result in a man who is a man of peace, public dignity, and order, who can be brave and courageous when necessary. He becomes a person who looks at the man in the mirror and is guided thereby. 
He deals with making where he lives a better, safer, more secure place filled with economic prosperity, morality, and a code of ethics. And that is not what's being done today because there's nobody teaching them. Now, I hunt, and I've killed the largest things you can kill on this continent. And I used to sit in uh, blind down on the ground or a tree stand, and I'd watch what went on on the forest floor. And if you went and hunted an area for a few years straight, you could see the bear cubs growing up into bear. And on the first year, you can recognize these cubs and their mother, and you'd see what she did to condition them. And then by the second year, all she had to do was give certain kinds of grunts to get certain responses, and they behaved instantly. There were things out there that would eat them or kill them if they did not obey. So they learned how to do it. So I'm looking at this, and I say, if a mother bear can teach the cubs how to behave, there is no damn excuse for a male or female child not being taught how to behave. And that skill set of teaching children how to behave so they can learn and prosper has just about disappeared. Sources of chaos instead of order are what you find at a typical school. And interestingly enough, the behavior gets worse the higher the income level of the school. But unfortunately, even though you get the most absolutely obedient children coming out of areas that are impoverished, that is because the mamas are teaching the children to fear mama's wrath, but they aren't doing anything about acculturating that child with right and wrong. Now, there are a lot of people that should not be in the penitentiaries. There are a lot of false accusations in general. But 97.3 to 97.6% of the people in American penitentiaries are there because they pled guilty, not because they got found guilty. 85 to 87% of them confessed. And one of the things that always used to just make me so angry is to watch the video of a confession and match that video with the person that was sitting in my courtroom trying to portray like he's an OG. And during a recess, he'd be talking to his homies over the barricade. Yeah, man, you know, I'm hanging, man. You know, they lied, man, about this whole thing. And then you're looking at the video and this fool has got snot running down his nose. He's crying, I want my mama. Y'all give my mama. And bawling out and trying to rat out every one of his homeboys. Yeah, you find out who, how tough you are when, you know, you put in handcuffs and shackles and threatened with some time in prison. You find out how tough you really are. Yeah, you well, know? you know, what's so interesting is most of the time, they wouldn't even have a case against the fool if he had shut his mouth. He just flat conked out. Yeah. But you see, they tell mama and their homies that uh, they got set up and everything else. Or if you represent them, it's like, look, man, what do you mean they picked on you? It's 4 a.m. in the morning, and you and three of your homeboys riding deep smoking weed, man, and hitting that glass dick out on 
on the streets in a car with the registration three months out, one headlight gone, and you got your music turned up so you can share it with somebody two blocks away. Hell yes, they gonna bust it. Right. You know, but I mean, then there is wrong, and one of the things that is most wrong, you touched on, dealt with these false sexual allegations. Now, you and I were just talking, and I mentioned my experience in Hollywood. And 22 years ago, when I started this show, I hadn't had it for two months. There was this big party they had at the Beverly Hilton Hotel. Studio was involved in it. And I was a bachelor, and all of these movie star-looking women were there, and you know, it was nice and I was dancing with a lot of them. And then finally I started talking to one lady there and we wound up dating for a few months, but we were sitting at the table and she got up to the lady, go to the ladies room. And when she came back, she said, do you know that guy over there? I said, yeah, him in the gray suit said, yeah. Said he walked up to me outside of the ladies room, offered me 2000 in cash. If I'd sign a statement saying that you tried to molest me. Damn. So we went around and found as many of the girls, the ladies that I had danced with, and we got statements from them to the same effect. Now, we stopped this because we set up a thing filing various affidavits and got them sealed and left with human resources that we were creating a fictional woman. So lo and behold, here comes a complaint from this fictional woman. Well, when it got exposed, that ended that for a while. But they had somebody that was trying to continue this mess because he had embezzled $25 and it even included a psychopath who was a stalker uh, that these fools sicked on me. And the person embezzled $25 million and they never reported it to FTC, which is a felony, but they didn't want the investors to know about it. So, I mean, this went on for 20 some years and every day I reported the tape at the studio, I had to deal with the, some knives out there getting ready to be plunged into your back. If you weren't careful by this feminist LGBT a bunch. So, Judge Joe, for those of you that are just now tuning in on the line, you just mentioned two very significant events in your life. One, you were younger, you were a bachelor, you were... Well, yeah, but I was over 50 years old at the time, you know, but I got around. See, I wasn't in my 20s or 30s. Sure. Okay. New life, which is not the case with a whole lot of people who are celebrity stars. They're too damn young when they fall into this uh-huh. and they get set up for life and there's something hanging over them and they tow the line from the threats. Exactly. That was my point. That's what I was getting to. So you, you were being framed or set up, so to speak. Uh, they were trying to get women to lie on you then at the age of 50. Sexual assault. Well, yeah, a little over fifty, actually. Sure. But and you beat that because you use your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding. Also, address those women that you were dancing with, and they wrote statements and affidavits on, on in support of you, and that's how you end up beating that case. And then, yeah, well, so, see the other thing too. That's why people get married so often in Hollywood. 
it's not safe to date because you run into these setup situations. So wow. getting married is kind of a, a license to date steady. Now I wound up quickly marrying a drop dead gorgeous woman that had no connection with Hollywood that I knew from before. I'd known uh, some of her family members before I met her, but in any event, uh, that sort of saw me through because quite frankly, the woman was, like I said, gorgeous. And there were zip to zero. They were going to do anything better than maybe match her, which, you know, bird and hands were two in the bush. So that sort of knocked a lot of that mess out of the box, but they still keep trying to stab you in the back. It was little small petty stuff. Like you make a, an application to get your mortgages consolidated and they ask you, have you ever been sued? No, the answer is yes, but the studio concealed it from you and had somebody acting like they were you or attorney general's offices calling from various states about unauthorized practice of law. And you find out that the studio has set something up with people that sell legal firms saying that I would answer your question personally and have somebody masquerading as me. And I didn't know anything about it, that kind of thing. See, um, and, and, and that's part of what, uh, what you went through and they use, they use that tactic to get you basically off the air. Well, yeah. Right. See, at the time I left them after a 15 year run, I was either the number one or number two syndicated show. Uh, Judge Judy, myself, Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Phil were all part of a special CBS syndication unit. And there was a guy named Roger King that discovered Oprah and Phil. He was managing Oprah's affairs. And he came to me, he was a stand-up guy. He came in laterally. He was a NFL football player, a lineman, defensive lineman, that type of the guy, stand-up guy. And his daddy invented syndication, so he came in laterally. He wasn't into that culture. In fact, he'd have me talk to his daughters about life. So he said, look, judge, for some reason, they're trying to keep you down. They won't even take out uh, a billboard for you in the L.A. area, the second biggest TV market in the country. And they own all the billboards. They won't put you in any advertisement. They won't run commercials on you. And they don't even have you in LA TV's, uh, LA's TV guide, for God's sake. But I was still pushing number one and number two. And they embezzled a whole lot of money from me, and they wanted me to take an IOU. Like, IOU from CBS, you go to hell. You give me my money. You know, I had a, a big back-end thing, which was a very big percentage of the money coming through the front door from the first dollar. But what went on was they were embezzling it to try and turn it to other uses. That's just what they do in Hollywood. They are filthy when it comes to ethics and square dealing. So I said, I've had enough. I'm over 65, you know, I don't have to do this. 
And the other thing was, is they kept wanting me to push this gay thing, which I refused to do. Now, gay folk have the right to do what they do. What they do in their bedrooms is their business. So I have no problem with that. But when they start doing politics through this LGBTQ mantle, and it starts impacting socioeconomic and political matters, then they're as open to anybody else in the political field. And you can give pushback. Now, you have to understand black folk used to be last hired, first fired. Nowadays, it's first to be experimented on. And by that, I mean the sociological experiment. Let's see if we can take the masculinity out of the black neighborhoods. And we can use that as a trial balloon to take it out of the whole country. And Joe, Joe, you see that you see that in our schools, in our public school systems now, where you have yes. transgenders coming into the public school system, talking to our our kindergartners and and first graders, and telling them that it's okay to be trans. Yeah, one, well, that's see, not your that's role. plotted. Yes, that's plotted. That's yeah. why they use trans. That's why, by the way, uh, they pushed Michael Jackson so hard because he was androgynous and that promoted that promoted that fluid gender thing. Something just came on saying 19 seconds, whatever you're that fine. is. You're fine. You're good. It says 90 seconds for the uh, airtime. We're going to, okay. uh, yeah, we're good. Go ahead, judge. Take a Okay. Uh, so break. they, they wanted this tranny thing and this androgynous thing pushed because it blurs the lines between the genders. Now, gender used to be synonymous with sex, but as a part of a deliberate campaign, they tried to turn gender into fluid, which is nonsense. You either got a dick or a pussy, a vagina or a penis, and that's it. And they took the trannies because children don't understand what a homosexual is because they don't know what sex is. But trannies, they understand a boy is dressed up like girls. Now, it's part of the conditioning process. Some of you may recall your mother saying, if you don't go to church on Sunday, you go nowhere else. Now, that's part of the conditioning process to get you to accept the religion, because if they waited until you were an adult, most people probably wouldn't buy into it. But then the society kind of reinforces that Society used to reinforce manhood and womanhood, but it does not now. It is actually one of the main sources of uh, destruction for the traditional family, for traditional manhood and womanhood. Because way back 50 years ago, these people dedicated themselves to becoming part of the control group for television, motion picture, and press. And LGBT site brags that 85 to 90% of all people involved in these media uh, forms are, in fact, LGBTQ. Q on their site stands for questioning and queer, they say. So let's just take the queer factor. They've been queer for the rest of the world for a long time. They got locked up, burned at the stake, hung, tortured, mutilated, fired from jobs, and imprisoned. So they had a phobia of straight people. That was called heterophobia. 
it's been in the dictionaries for 200 some years. But if you input heterophobia into your iPhone, it's going to underline in red and not recognized as a word. But homophobia is, but homophobia is something that's a five to seven year old, maybe 10 year old construct. And it's part of the propaganda thing by slowly taking a word from being used occasionally to often so people pick it up and become acclimated to it. And in the process of accepting the word, they start accepting the concept. That's part of their propagandistic plan. Now, Judge now, Joe, really quick, really quick, because we're talking about this, and then we're going to take a break, then we're going to come back and start uh, doing Q&A on the line, questions and answers. Q&A. <laughs> yeah, uh, Q&A. You, 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 you've got to... Dwayne Wade family, right? Gabrielle Union, Dwayne Wade, their son, Zion. Uh, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union, as you know, they are pushing forth the transgender agenda. On you mean their, that lesbian couple? On their, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union is pushing. Yeah, that lesbian couple. The transgender agenda on the their The one that son, played Zion. for the WNBA? Dwayne Wade, yes. Yeah, he played for the WNBA, right? Correct. The but Women's have, National Basketball Association. But they have Wait, a son. Asked. They have a son. Yeah. I don't and call that a son. They have a child. And they are <laughs> well, talking yeah. about giving their child, forcing their child to undergo a surgical procedure to become a girl. That That's is so child. sick. Yeah. I, I, look, they have need to have a book thrown at them for child abuse. There you have it. You're listening to Judge Joe Brown. I am King Yah, and you're listening to uh, King Yah Speaks Podcast. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Thank you. We're going to the phone lines next. Welcome to the King Yah Podcast. As you may have guessed, I am your host, King Yah, a father, activist, and professional speaker. On this podcast, we discuss relationships, criminal justice, news and politics, black history, culture, and domestic violence awareness. If this is your first time being here, I want to say thank you and encourage you to keep listening. Each week you can expect to hear thought-provoking interviews as well as personal and relationship tips that will help enhance your life. You will have access to resourceful downloads that you can implement daily to become more productive. Thank you for spending some time with me today. The purpose of this podcast is because everyday people inspire me through their stories of trial and error in life. Now let's jump into your favorite podcast. What better way to share our stories? All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you so much for tuning in to our show. I am King Yan. You're listening to the King Yan Podcast with our honorable Judge Joe Brown. Um, welcome back, Judge. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yes, sir. We are going to the phone line. First up, we got Brother James Owens L on the line. We got to get our brother on the line. He's been uh, interested. He's been interested in talking to you. So we're gonna uh, go to the phone lines and and bring uh, Brother James Owens L on the line. Your phone line is open, Brother Owens L. Yes, sir. Good morning. It's fine, brother. Good morning. You got it's Judge Joe Brown on the line. Yes, sir. Good morning. Islam means peace. The Honorable Judge Joe Brown. 
a brother that honor, observe, and analyze for the weight and credibility of his actions for all to see on the TV. And in order for him to be able to make an impression, he have to know what he know, and he have to slam that gavel and make sure that he's being fair and impartial and standing for the truth. So I salute you, brother, not only for your TV representation, but for the way you have strongly articulated this day on the 20th of March 2020 on international radio about these attacks on manhood, primarily black manhood. I'm the, I just happen to be the original East Coast Black Panther. And uh, I done learned a lot from you on your TV representations. And I'm somebody that went in the Maryland Penitentiary as a juvenile. It was 123 black boys. Uh, the case in chief, the controlling law, is Long versus Robinson, 316 Federal Supplement, page 22. At page 27, 1970, Chief Judge Dorsey Watkins, who condemned House Bill 240-SB of the Baltimore Charter, local public laws that treated black boys as men for nonviolent crimes in the state of Maryland and put us amongst grown men. Four of them boys got hung in the Maryland Penitentiary. I'm the one that survived. At least 30 of them boys got raped. None of us was given an adult certification here. So uh, what I do today, I'm on dialysis. That's the reason my voice is a little inconsistent because I have fluid overload in my chest because I'm being bumped around from one emergency ward to the next because I pursue the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States to make a timely application for a remedy in the court of competent jurisdiction. I don't tell lies. I don't rack innocent people, uh, and I don't instigate. However, to the extent that I'm out here, I did 41 years in prison. I respect all citizens of all nationalities, of all religions. I'm a Moorish American. I'm going to stand by that. I'm indifferent about people's opinion about whether or not Prophet Noble Jew Ali and the Moors are a bunch of nuts and invalid. I don't care. I stand with Prophet Noble Jew Ali, who said that the mission of the Moors Science Temple of America is to uplift the fallen humanity, and good is our power. So I'm consistent in my thoughts for listening to this brother Joe Brown the Honorable Judge Joe Brown. And, if, you know, uh, it's on international radio. And I, I'm also the author of a document called The Race Safety Proposition, April 24, 1998, U.S. Department of Justice, Alcatraz Number 3, ABX, P.O. Box 8500, France, Colorado, through Mr. J.D. Crook, Supervisor, U.S. Attorney, phone number, 
719-784-9464. I was on the yard by myself with the Aryan Brotherhood and the Mexican Mafia for six months and never refused to go to wreck and was out there by myself and could have got killed. So just to say a few things about myself, I'm on dialysis because Mr. David Greco, a white man, social warden of operations, sent three of them, two Mexicans and one white, to kill me. However, they was not willing to kill or to die that day. So they said, let's come together to use my legal skills to assist to stop the white officers from giving them knives and money to kill blacks and Muslims. How is this relevant to the Honorable Judge Joe Brown and what he just articulated? Is the bigger scenario of how in the background white folks in these uh, positions of authority are being abusive in a conflict of interest with their oaths of office, conflict of interest with the mission of Jesus Christ, peace and love. They're pushing homosexuality, they're pushing mass murder, and they're telling uh, the black women, don't you respect the black man? You know, in the more signs come up America, we condemn the image of Negro, black, colored, and Ethiopian. However, Prophet Noble Juali said, you have to be able to communicate with people based on their level of comprehension and interpretation. The Honorable Judge Joe Brown articulated the King's English so well, I said, you're like a kindergarten student with my mouth shut. Until I was invited <laughs> to speak, I wasn't going to say nothing. But Thank I honor you, you brother. I appreciate that. Yeah, Thank man. You. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. But, All right. Yes, sir. All right. All right. And Thank you, you saved your this, breath. This, this. I know what that is to have fluid build up in your lungs. It feels like you're suffocating. It, it, so it, yeah. Catch yes. your breath. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. All right. We'll hang in there, brother. I appreciate what you're doing to be strong. We're going to go to the next caller. Um who do we have? Uh, Mama AZ, I believe. Mama AZ, you got a few questions or comments for uh, Honorable Judge Joe Brown? Oh, most definitely. Uh, Judge Joe Brown, thank you, sir. Uh, you have not heard from me. This is Mama Bonfire AZ Paris from uh, Fort Knuckle, Arizona. You know the last historical site of the Buffalo Soldiers. Uh, Judge Joe Brown. Yeah, Tenth Cavalry. My yes, great uncle Booker was uncle in the Tenth Cavalry from 1881 all the way up to 1903 or four, somewhere thereabouts. Well, no, well that's what I thought. Or eight, somewhere thereabouts. Yes, Go sir. Ahead. In the in the very near future, I am trusting that the universe will open up a gate for me to have a legitimate discussion because I see things. Um, I had no idea that I would end up at this time in my life, 68 years old, almost planting myself here in Fort Huachuca or Fort Naco. I see possibilities, Judge Joe Brown. I had no idea that I would have a, the opportunity one-on-one -on -one with you it's, it's, it's really special that the universe has gotten me this far. 
what I see here, uh, there are opportunities for young people. Like you were in the you 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 were in the court system. Those young people uh, can can learn from others who have uh, been expressing themselves like you in your videos. For those who do not know Judge Joe Brown, only him being a judge. Uh uh uh. He has YouTube videos that um, was brought to my attention at least four years ago, and th- I was so impressed. I was so impressed. It just blew me away. I I've been knocked off of Facebook, meaning Facebook, fifteen times at least for knocking for sharing these kinds of informations and things like the cavalry they have um uh, in houston texas and somewhere i think in gallup new mexico people um in houston they have a, a buffalo uh soldier museum and then uh, uh they also have a brother in san francisco or someplace in california sheldon uh, Johnson, I've spoken to all of those guys. I've shared the information with the people here that I'm connected with in Fort Huachuca. And it doesn't seem that they're interested in uh, uh, having a unit or creating a museum. This fort, Fort Naco, Arizona, is owned by the LGBT community. And and what really bothers me, I'm an outsider.